You're listening to the Multiverse Fancast, proud member of the Misfit Faction Media Network. All right, then. On with the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Multiverse Fancast. This is your host, Rob, singing to the sweet sounds of the sultry voice that is me. How are you all today? Thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget, if you are listening to us, you're probably listening to us on one of these stations like Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or any other listening station. So we thank you very much for supporting us and listening to us and either downloading or subscribing. If you are in the mood, feel free to click that little subscribe so you can get updates from us whenever we post. You can also find us on social media. That's right. We're on the Facebook. You can find us as Misfit Faction Media Network and join us there. You can also listen and watch to Cinematic Adventures, the Multiverse Fancast, which is what you're listening to, and MF Uncensored. On the Instagram, you can catch us with Bibliophiles Assemble. That is producer Mel's little pet project that she's been working on. And then you can hear us and see what we're up to with the Misfit Faction. You can also follow us on the Twitter. That is the Misfit Faction is how you can find us there. Apparently, we're on the TikTok, although I have yet to see this, but Paul and Ronnie assure me of it. So I'm just going to go with that's what the kids are doing nowadays, the TikTok. And also, of course, we're on YouTube. You can also check us out on our website on themisfitfaction.com where you can see past podcasts. You can see all of our updates. You can read articles. Like, for example, I've been posting uh, all of my reviews of She-Hulk. We're on the sixth episode right now and that has just gone up so i hope that you can read my stuff and there's also merchandise that's right you can buy the misfit faction stickers shirts sweatshirts all sorts of cool garb and swag we invite you to do that and on my right here joining me now here he comes he's walking into the studio hello there paul paul how are you today i am doing well rob how are you today i'm doing excellent and I am pleased beyond all punch to have invited with us the local legend, the expert on the Sandman and all things magic, Brendan, also known as BlindBat8719. Brendan, how are you today? I'm doing very well, Rob. Thanks, guys, for having me back on again. Oh, we're excited to have you on. So Ronnie couldn't be with us this week, but I do have his thoughts on this, so please remind me if I do forget. Oh, do you really? Yes, I actually do. Wow. I texted Good. him I texted him this morning and asked him, and he sent me some stuff. Interesting. Um, and Brendan said, mentioned to me uh, via text a couple weeks ago, he says, you know, when you guys do Sandman, please invite me on the show. I'm a big kind of Sandman nerd, and, and I'm, I'm really into this. So we, we, I'm glad to see that we have a fellow resident expert. Well, no, I, sh- I shouldn't put myself in the same company as the Blind Bat himself because I, I've, as someone who has read the Sandman comics, I am in no way an expert. How about you, Brendan? What is your level of expertise on this? I mean, I, I think reading the whole stuff, getting a, buying an extra book about explaining everything <laughs> and buying, I think, the two follow-up or three follow-up comics right. as well as the Overture, I think I'm just about as good as anybody else about understanding what's going on in the Sandman universe and what Neil Gaiman has put together mm. uh, over those, what, 75 issue run or something like yes. between, I think it was 89 to 93, I think is what it is. So okay. that's me trying to show off a little bit. <laughs> wow. Maybe know a thing or two. Nice, subtle flex. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, we are the three that are going to be, and we're going to do something a little different this week. Um, I invited Brendan to co-host with me, so he is going to help lead the discussion a little bit here. So when he comes up with ideas, he's going to jump in, and I'm going to be picking up stuff on the fly too. But first, before that, we have a little bit of news. So this is the first program that we've recorded since D23, and so you know we don't want to go too long because at this point you've probably heard all the things. But uh, let's talk a little bit about a couple of the big things that came out. Um, so let's go chronological. Paul, what can you tell us a little bit about Werewolf by Night? It's a movie. It is not a movie. It's a limited television event. Yes, it is. And they just released the running so time they, on it, too. They yeah. also just released the trailer. The trailer is a classic black and white, vintage, horror movie type. Uh, like 30s kind of feel It, to it, it. looks really good. Like I remember Sean and I talked about it on Cinematic Adventures, and I remember showing him the trailer before we recorded it, and he's like, oh my god, this is so my wheelhouse. Yes, very, oh, I imagine for, for him. Yeah, very absolutely. old school movie monster type episode really it look it looks interesting and it looks different which is i think something that marvel is in need of yeah now i'm hoping i'm really hoping it is it wasn't the trailer that was black and white like the actual show is going to be in black and white show is yeah. yeah i mean it would make more sense i mean because right. we we've, we've been fooled by trailers before marvel's mm-hmm. also famous for putting fake footage in their trailers which you know That's we've true, yeah. we've yeah. caught more than once and we're like oh now am i wrong to think yes. that this show looks actually a little gory i think they're using the black and white to help be Mm. a little bit more graphic because you're not showing like the bright red blood or anything along those lines so black and white can kind of get away with um and also a lot of silhouette work a lot of shadow work um you see the transformation you see like the werewolf like turning It, it looks it looks like it might be a little horror themed. So, fun fact: um, Quentin Tarantino, when he was putting out his first Kill Bill, uh, the NCAA said it was like way too gory and bloody. So he took the fight against the '88s and did it in black and white to mm-hmm. sort of tone it down. And so, yeah, you, you're right; you can kind of get away a little bit with that. And Rob just stole a little bit of trivia that I was just ah. interjecting to the conversation. <laughs> uh, well, Brendan, I'm glad to know that great minds think alike. You're you're definitely on board with this. You're you've you've tuned into the right podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you keep trying to get so sultry? Because this is my sultry evening voice. If you're listening to us after eleven. He does have a nice <laughs> podcast radio voice. I remember <laughs> him a couple episodes ago. I'm like, oh man, he could he, he should do radio. <laughs> I, I used to do uh, the morning announcements uh, at the high school, and I did it for like three years and everything. So I got to hone my chops hone, on that a little bit. Hone the talent there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, but uh, some other things from D23. Uh, yes. The full Thunderbolts cast has been announced. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of surprises on there. Uh, a couple couple of people that we wanted on there yeah. that were not. I did not expect David Harbour to be a, a part of this. I didn't expect David Harbour, especially because Yelena's like looking like the leader almost of right. it. Um, I was not expecting Taskmaster. It's no. basically like... It's almost like Black Widow 2. Yeah, it, it actually it felt like all of the secondary kind of lame villains that maybe they'll get make better yeah i i john walker (laughs) he's not lame he's just ire inducing i want to see what they do with him though if if they've changed anything because a lot of these characters we only saw in one medium uh i think the whole lineup was bucky who has the most screen time out of all of them yelena Mm -hmm. who's become a fan favorite Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. 
we had John Walker, Ghost. Right, which I I could tell you very little about her. Yeah. Um, Taskmaster, I think that was it. Well, and uh, what's her name? Julia Louis-Dreyfus' character. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like the big ones that people were hoping to hear were, were names like Punisher, Ghost Rider. Right. Um, now they're saying that Punisher is rumored for uh, the Daredevil reboot. Yeah, there's a rumor that he's going to be stepping in where Jessica Jones was going to step right. in. So. That's, but that's only the rumor mill, unfortunately. Yeah. I, mean, uh, I think it's cool that they get, yeah, like you said, the B list of villains. Like that's a great way of reusing these villains yeah. that didn't die and let us maybe delve a little bit into them a little bit more. Right, and and give them their moment to shine a little bit, and give them give them some real material to grapple with, so we can really see what they are capable of. And speaking of villains making a return, we also got confirmation that Tim Blake Nelson Woo-hoo. was going to be re- reprising his role as Doctor Samuel Stearns from The Incredible Hulk. Now this is the yeah. second character from The Incredible Hulk that's been brought back into the into the spotlight yeah. a little bit. Uh, first it was Emil Blonsky as Abomination, and now Samuel Stearns as the leader, because that was a, something that they really teed up in The Incredible Hulk, and then right. just... Yeah, never went anything with it. And that was almost 15 years ago. I was a, tif- I was a totally different I person. Um, <laughs> so there's actually possibilities, too, that Tim Blake Nelson might be in She-Hulk. I can see it. Because um, there's... I, or how, how caught up are you on she Completely. Oh, completely. Yeah. Okay. Brendan, Same have here. you been watching? Oh, good. We all are. Um, we'll get into it um, another time when we do our She-Hulk episode. But uh, as you, you saw, like with the Wrecking Crew when they were in there, there's there's a possibility that their leader might actually be the leader. The leader. Right. So we might see him sooner rather than later. And uh, one last piece of news, uh, not from D23, but just to tie into what we're talking about now and, and next... Constantine 2 confirmed oh, right. with Keanu Reeves. Holy hell. Like, wow. Who I, saw that coming? I know he's been lobbying for it. Yeah. He's, he's been the one pushing it, and it has a cult following. Um, there are zero details out besides the fact that it will be a sequel to the first one, and Keanu Reeves is expected to reprise And Francis role. Lawrence is expected to uh, direct, and Akiva Goldman is, suspect, is suspected to be writing. When, yeah. And those are all our originals. So I'm... I, I hope they learned a little bit from the first one. I don't I don't not like the first one. I just rewatched it last night. It's better than it was than I thought it's, it was. Yeah, it, it I still like it a lot. It's not a great movie, but it's still a very enjoyable movie. Yeah, we'll talk about that during our actual Constantine episode, which Ooh. is hopefully coming out next. Nice. But I think that's all the news I got. Yes. Uh there was a minor thing, like there just to let you know, they're all still working on Fantastic Four. So they've confirmed the director and now they've confirmed the writers, but we still have no confirmation of of stars at all whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um there were a bunch of trailers that were shown at D twenty three, but we the public didn't get to see them. Like there was a devil Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur uh, one. Yeah. I think they probably showed Guardians three again. They showed something from the Kang Dino- or from Ant Man and the Wasp. Oh right, right, right. Where uh, he's talking to Kang. Oh, I know. Oh, the th- we also got a um, and we the public got this too a Secret Invasion trailer. Yeah, which I'm kind of uh, about. See, I I've been there have been a lot of their shows. I have to say this: when I'm excited about the show, it always lets me down. When I'm not excited about the show, it always surprises me mm-hmm. at being way better than it is. So, like, I feel that way about Secret Invasion. Then I'm like, okay. That's yeah, how people that's feel fine. about our podcast, too. All right. Yeah. We surprise them. Oh, always. <laughs> With mild quality. All right. And that, that, I would say, wraps up our news pretty well. Okay. All right. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to hash out the goodness that is the Sandman. But first, a quick break. 
Hey guys, it's Paul and the Misfit Faction is looking for your help. We are trying to grow not only our network, but also grow our brands. And the best way to do that is if you guys are looking to start your very own podcast. Maybe you guys have been listening to us for a while. Maybe it's something you guys have always wanted to do, but you're not sure how to get started. If you go to podbean.com slash Misfit Faction, you guys will get a month of free podcasting on us. That is a gift from us. So make sure if you guys are looking to start your own show, you reach out to us and go to podbean.com slash Misfit Faction. Also, maybe you guys have your own online business or service that you're always looking to grow and advertising is a very big part of that if you guys go to sponsorship.podbean.com slash misfit faction you guys can get a hundred dollars worth of free advertising again as a thank you from us to you guys that's sponsorship.podbean.com slash misfit faction welcome back thanks for joining us and thanks for sticking through the commercial break we're glad you came back so we are talking Sandman. So Sandman came out back in oof, end of July, beginning of August. I couldn't even tell you. The show, yeah. So one of the things about, and this, I guess this is where we'll start off with, one of the things about Sandman is that they found Netflix, when they were checking like diagnostics of viewers and everything, they found that not a lot of people were binging it, and they couldn't figure out why until they finally realized that this is not a bingeable show. No, um, no, this is something. It's not. So I, I, all right. So both of you are kind of answering my question there. So how did you watch it? Like one or two episodes at a time, and we did one or two episodes at a time. I think the most we did was three. Yeah. But like even that, like it depends on how long they are. In all honesty, because yeah. like the very first episode is almost an hour. Okay. Then it jumps. Then like typical Netflix shows, the next one's like thirty-seven minutes, yeah. and like that. That's much more easily digestible. Brandon. Uh, I think I did it more like once a day because of, uh, again, newborn in the house, mm-hmm. and it was just easier. And then I, I had my wife to watch, I think, uh, a few episodes with me. Yeah. Actually, I think I got her up to maybe six even, actually, now that I think about it. But she had, um, I think in one of the scenes where we're where following death and the baby dies, that was a little too much for her. Yeah. So she kind of clocked out for the rest of the season for the most part yeah i get that so yeah i i know for us we we were only watching maybe like two episodes a day because it's just so dense yes like it is like this is this is a show that where you don't you have to actively watch it you can't just let it wash over you you have to like really engage and then once it's over you have to think about it and process it like it's it's not something that you can just like this is not kissing booth three where you could just like let it go or even uh cobra kai like i i was able to binge watch cobra kai in like two days I, I haven't caught up. I'm still in season four. But it's. it's but I also <laughs> feel like what, with what you're saying with those examples, though, like those are very much like bubblegum. They're bright and cheery. Right. This gets to be really heavy at times and Extremely. really dark. Like they're uh, a little bit. I think it's episode five, which is twenty four seven. The comic that's based off has been said to be the darkest comic ever printed, at least on the right. Western world, at least. So you watch something like that. Are you really going to be jumping right. off to the next episode? Not knowing that actually it's one of the better episodes that, you know, coming up in number six, a little bright and cheery. But yeah, some of this stuff is really heavy and hard. And it's, a, I, again, even with reading the comic books, the first volume, which is the, I think the first half, I think volumes of episodes one through six mm-hmm. kind of take care of the first book for the most part. Yeah. They kind of go an episode, an episode of a comic, yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit of a slow, slow go, and it's building up the world really. So once you kind of get through that part of, you have to understand the world, and it does start a little bit of a weird spot where it starts in 1930s, I believe, and it's the capture of 
of Neil Gaiman. Uh, sorry, of Morpheus. the Sandman. Not Neil Gaiman. <laughs> Neil Gaiman's yeah, no, been captured. Gaiman. No, no. It's a capture of the Sandman. <laughs> right. And then you just, he, the main character just sits there for the whole episode, essentially. Yeah. You, know, so, you don't know nothing special. And you have all these characters who really are only there for a cameo, really. I mean, Charles Dance is who was always great to see now yeah. after seeing him in Game of Thrones. Uh, oh, see, I'm, I'm a Charles Dance last action hero fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, no, I like the last action for here. I, I just I didn't like know he was a bad guy in that. Oh, yeah. So I think the three of us are coming from very three very unique standpoints. Because, Paul, what's your history with the comics? Um, I I knew of them. Mm-hmm. It is of the DC nature. Right. So obviously I, I, I'm fairly well-versed in my DC lore. Um, and also, like, this is the the God Pantheon type stuff of DC comics, which, you know, DC never really shied away from, Um, you know, Lucifer Morningstar is still an active character. And obviously, you know, the show came out Lucifer and it is very loosely based. Very like (laughs) mostly in name. Yeah. Um, But like, you know, it was nice to see, uh, you know, Mazikin and and Mm -hmm. Lucifer and all that stuff in this, like in this, in uh, the more original, but like, for me, I was always more of a like towards the Constantine side of the magic right. stuff, you know, like your swamp thing, stuff like that. So for me, I I never read the comics, mm-hmm. Sam. I knew of them and I know enough that I can have a conversation, obviously. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, for me, it, it's it it's a heavy comic. It's not it's not light reading either. Just like I was not yeah. light viewing. So. Um, it, that helped me kind of go into this very fresh. That's cool. Yeah. So I know for me, like I, well, of course I know for me, uh, I've read, I think the first like 60 or so issues. Um, like there's, there's still like a couple of like, you know, the, the 11 and 12 volumes that I haven't read. And then some of the like post, some of the post stuff I've read, like there was like some, some song of stuff and everything, but I'm no way a completist for, um, Gaiman's Sandman. And now Brandon, I'm, I'm, I seems like, yeah, he's raising his hand. If you can't see him at home, he is raising his hand that saying he is an absolute completist. You've done everything. Uh, yes. I've, I've, the, for the, the, I think the whole 75 comic run, though I collected the graphic novels of those, they did a thing called uh, um, uh, Dream Hunters. I read that. I think I read, I read some everything of that, yeah. that was post. The two death books that came after, the overture that came out more recently, I think 2015, I think that yeah. came out. Um, I actually bought a whole separate book on it, and I'm debating about buying the quotable thing. So, yes, I'm more of a completionist when it comes to Neil Gaiman's Sandman and having really enjoyed those stuff and really hoping that the stuff keeps going on Netflix because – there's a lot of seeds that were yeah. set in this se- in this season that will pay off in whatever season two, season three that comes out. So yeah, and, and I think you know Brendan and I can both absolutely attest to the fact that this was this is probably one of the most brilliant comic book runs that's ever been made. Yes, it's, it's thoughtful, it's deep, it is the artwork is just astounding. Um, I've read a couple of other game and stuff, but nothing comes close to the way this does. Um, it's this is just like his masterpiece. Um, yeah, and I and think I think what I like about yeah. it too is that he 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 pulls from like every little thing and he incorporates mm-hmm. like. Uh, it's one of the reasons also why I like on uh, a tangent with the Gargoyles TV show when it came out. But like with Damien, <laughs> but like he t- pulls in Shakespeare, he pulls in yeah. different mythologies, he brings in Christianity, uh, the lore behind some of that stuff. And like everything kind of fits in and even a little bit of the DC stuff as well. Because I think uh, that there's a House of Mystery or like there's uh, the House of Mystery, the House of M. That yeah. oh, is House somewhat M, yeah. a DC thing as well as Gaiman kind of t- took that and put that into the dreaming as well. Yeah. Gaiman is really well known for his world building 
Um, he he creates these rules, these, these characters, and 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 just lets them fly. And, and like I've watched Good Omens, which which was a good adaptation. I've seen. Oh, uh, what what is it? American American Gods. American Gods. Gods. I I watched like one or two seasons of that, and then I kind of lost interest. So, like, part of the problem that's always been with Gaiman's work is that so often much of it is unfilmable. Um, and this kind of, and I think probably you know we're all surprised that they managed to turn this into something because it's so like nebulous. In fact, I think that's why I didn't go further with reading the comics because it's so hard to grasp at some points because it's so like. Philosophically vague and just kind of like floaty. It floats through scenes and you don't really know what's going on at times. There is a little bit of that at times. Again, the idea that DreamWork quality, like I was rereading The Dollhouse and you actually literally have to turn the book sideways just to kind of follow the panels as one thing. And there is. There was definitely one of the side stories I remember in um, uh, Endless Nights where it's the despair story and it's just. And I think along with the leader, it's just it's just either too dark or it's just it, things are just so all over the place and discombobulated at times where you're like, I am I, definitely with the despair story. I did not get a good feeling. I skipped no. that one like every time. I'm like, I don't feel good after reading this D- thing. And despair made you this. not feel good. <laughs> yeah, there's so yes, many. It did not make me feel good. There's so many of the stories I can remember reading them going, I have no idea what's going on, but I'm going to keep turning the pages. Because it is, it is really tough to wrap your head around. And I think you get a sense from that a little bit from the show, too, that there are some times where you're, you're like, I, I don't fully grasp it, but I, I get a sense of what's going on. Like, I will say that the show is probably drawing from the majority of the more chronological stories, um, like Doll's House and stuff like yeah. that. Things that are more narrative-driven instead of just, like, you know, that, that kind of are too nebulous. So this has been a show that has been a long time coming because this was something that was, of course, made in the 90s. And there have, it's been in development hell forever. Um, yeah, at one point, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was, he like, was attached, attached to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, Roger Avery was attached to it to direct it after the success of Pulp Fiction. Uh, Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio in 96 were doing uh, with Preludes and Nocturne storyline. Um, let's see. John Peters, best known for Batman and Superman Lives, he was attached to it. Uh, William Farmer was attached to it. Like all, like number of people, you know, throughout the years. And then finally, in, in you know, 2007, Neil Gaiman said, you know, like I, I don't know if this is going to happen, but uh, you know, I still have my fingers kind of crossed for it. Um, he says we need someone who has the same obsession with the source material as Peter Jackson with Lord of the Rings, and. Uh, yeah, Ter- Terry Gilliam was attached. He, he, oh, he he wanted Terry Gilliam to be attached at one point, but uh, oh yeah, and then like uh, well, I think Seth Rogen was like, and and Evan Goldberg were probably connected, which, I know they did Preacher right. they, and they did The Boys. Yes, like, they're part of that. People forget that Seth Rogen's like a he's executive a producer, prolific or producer. Yeah, oh yeah, he loves doing stuff like that. Um, so yeah, jo- Joseph Gordon uh, eventually dropped out. So like, creative differences, they said. Yeah, I, I think I was shocked when I started to. You know what? This is what it was. I started to read stories that this was coming to Netflix, and I'm like, you know what? I'll believe it when I actually see a trailer. I kind of figured they I, would drop it on HBO Max. Yeah, it's a DC That's Warner true. Brothers property. Yeah, that is interesting. I don't know why the logistics worked out the way they did with that, but I um, I know as a consequence they did omit especially in the first part, any references to the DC universe, because I do know yes. like he goes to see John Constantine. first of all, as opposed to Joanna Constantine, I don't want, uh, oh, Marisha Manhunter we'll appearance yeah. in the comics as well. 
Um, they mentioned ah, there's a couple other DC references. Like, did you go to this? I think Mr. Miracle is mentioned in the, in the is, story yeah. originally. And but I think they make it its own separate thing and not worry about where does this fit in the continuity. And really, yeah. the DC superhero stuff was tangential to what he's trying to yes. tell Gaiman is that they just will 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 cut all that stuff out. And I guess Joanna Constantine, which they made for the comics originally was like original because they I have an argument it. that's going to defend her. Okay. All right. But yeah, it, actually and and I'm sure Brendan can attest to this that uh, Batman actually makes an appearance in the comics. Um there is a, like yes. a, a panel or two with Batman and like it we have to remember this is DC Vertigo. Um, mm-hmm. it, which is a, a, a wheelhouse of DC. Um, and I think Swamp Thing is in Vertigo. Swamp Thing's um, in Vertigo. Yeah, it's sort of like the Dark Justice kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a little bit different. So, uh, so <laughs> all right, I want to try this. Paul, tell us what is the Netflix Sandman show about? Run us through a, a quick uh, synopsis here. Uh, it starts off in, I think, like, what, 1916 is when the show technically and kicks off? Uh, so in, around there, yeah. In 1916, a group of occult... Uh, Worshippers are trying to capture what they think is a personification of death yes. to help bring back loved ones that they've lost. Okay. In doing so, they accidentally summon uh, Dream, or Morpheus, as mm-hmm. he is actually named. And when Morpheus refuses to bow to their wishes, they imprison him for over 100 years. And the story is him re- uh, escaping and then reclaiming his kingdom. Okay, that's the first two episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> and... Other stuff and other stuff, and and I'm not surprised because I, I will tell you that I had to watch a recap video coming over here. Then I'm like, oh, that's right, oh, that's right, oh, that's right, because there's so much that goes on in this series, um, and it's yeah. It's, well, if, if, if I can maybe help with a little yeah. bit with it, you're saying with the recap thing. Yeah, the first five episodes, if you want to recap it, it really is a hero's quest. Mm-hmm. That's the short and long of that Ooh, very one. Very good, Joseph Campbell. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, and then the second half. Uh, it's more of you see kind of what does Dream do as a function and a little bit of introduces the games that the family that are known as the Endless, especially Desire and Dream or Desire, or at least Desire plays on Dream. You know, that's kind of what that is. And you, you yeah. kind of see what more what that's about. And then the weird stuff that gaming will do. See, I like this side of DC. I think it's one of the things that DC does a little bit better than Marvel is how they tackle the... Uh, the like they have huge characters in DC that are literal like actual deities. You have mm-hmm. not just in this, but you also have a character like the Spectre, or you have the mm-hmm. Presence, you know, who's basically God in the DC universe. Um, Marvel does great work with the supernatural side. You have your Ghost Riders, you have your Doctor Stranges, but I always felt that DC just did it a little bit better, and they weren't afraid to go as dark. No, like Marvel can't do a show like this. DC no, can. No. And DC has plenty of other characters that they can well, do also. I think one of the strengths to DC right now is the fact that a DC film or television show doesn't have to tie into a continuity. And it doesn't have to look like a continuity. Yeah, like Marvel, everyone, as soon as something Marvel comes out, everyone's like, well, what does that have to do with this character? And how does that tie into him and her? And DC doesn't have to, like, no one questioned, when, when Joaquin's Joker came out, no one was like, well, wait a minute, does he know that character? And everyone was like, okay, no, it's it's a DC story, and that's okay. Um, and, and, you know, DC has failed in its continuity idea of creating a shared universe, but I think they can find strength from that by creating properties like this with mm-hmm. Sandman, where it doesn't have to tie in. Um, Agreed. Um, I think what we talked about a little, little bit last time, Paul, when we talked about Batman Beyond, like, 
you have your own little universe. Mm-hmm. Here's the Batman Beyond storyline. You know, and there's this way you can explore all these different stories that you have with these characters. And it's okay to have five different Batman because, you know, each one, you can keep track of which one's on which storyline. Right. Mm-hmm. So... Heading it up is the character of Dream or Morpheus, played by Tom Sturridge. Um, Tom Sturridge is not an actor which with whom I was previously familiar at Same. all. Same um, and I think that was a strength for the show, that it was someone that we really didn't see doing anything else. Uh, looking at his credits, yeah, it's it's like, yeah, he was in Velvet Buzzsaw with Jake Gyllenhaal and... Oh, he was in the Hollow Crown. So it sounds like he's he might be more of a stage actor than anything. But yeah, not a lot of stuff for him. So what what do we think about? And so I'll, I'll start with with Brendan, as someone who's read the comics and has always had sort of probably a vision as to what Morpheus should look like. How does Tom Sturridge play up to your expectations? I think he was amazing. I think he did a wonderful job. Again, I was wondering about the black eye thing because in the comic right. books, Morpheus has these starry black yeah. eyes and. They do make an, a, a hint of it. They do like a little Easter egg of it in, I think, one of the episodes. So, but I, they said they tried to make him do it with context, and it didn't look yes, good. Yes, so. I was just going to say that. Yeah, I, I watched a video this morning where uh, they did talk about how they tried to get that done. They tried all sorts of contact lenses. They tried all sorts of effects, and and it withdrew, it, it withdrew from the performance of his face. Which is a um, yeah, big that makes sense. thing because I felt like he was able to portray all these minute emotions on Morpheus's face where yeah. he's stone cold killerish and like really scary to like this concern. You are start seeing him have this revelation like, oh, wow, I probably hurt that person's feelings. I should maybe find my own way to apologizing and you know, all these little changes in his face. Yeah. One of the things about him is that not Tom Sturridge, but but Dream is that he's someone who everyone is always afraid of, but you never actually see him do anything that is, like, vengeful. Hmm. He's always sort of just like, oh, well, you know, I'm never going to let you do that again. Like, you expect him to, like, just hack and burn away at people, and he doesn't. Like, he's such an emo revenge well, kind of guy. I disagree with that. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Well, I mean, what do you think about 10,000 Nails Damnation in Hell to somebody to an ex-jilted lover? Okay, Paul is that second. That's right. That's right. the idea of constantly yeah. waking from a nightmare. Like, you don't actually wake up, but you every time you wake up, you're just in a different nightmare. Okay. Yeah. I guess. I guess his vengeance is more and ironic than than like I'm going to maybe. physically attack Sorry, you. Sorry. One more to that. Episode oh. eleven. Oh. You the, want dreams? Have, you I want ideas? Provoked. I, I cutting I poked blood the bear. out of your skin to write ideas on the wall. Okay. <laughs> so it's not as you know, not as fiery or bombastic, okay. but those pretty good revenge right. ideas. Good point. And that's the thing about a lot of these deity characters. They go one of two ways. It's either explosive, wrathful vengeance. Or something just like eternal torment. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I think Dream has always been more of the eternal torment. Like he's, he gets to a point in this show at least where he's, you know, even with uh, with John D, mm-hmm. Doctor mm-hmm. Destiny, as he's known in the comics, um, he doesn't punish him. Right. He's like, I'm just gonna let you sleep. Right, right. You know, he could have like that guy stole his stuff, and that guy was was doing terrible things. Yeah, I but. guess for Dream, he is more concerned with justice and putting things right than with punishment. Mm-hmm. I, I can see that. Yeah, I guess that's the way I view him. Brandon okay. is smirking at me. No, no, I'm just trying to think. <laughs> I haven't thought of it like that because I, uh, again, the John D thing, you got a good point. He did all these terrible things, mm-hmm. but he also kind of gave Dream back all his power. So he's like, uh, 
you weren't supposed to have the power in the first place. So I really can't fault you for not knowing how to use it. But again, it I think it shows a little bit that dream uh, that idea maybe of he has his own morality scale or I, I forget the technical term for it, but his own ethics about yeah. things that you know th- that's how he judges it a little bit differently. Yeah, I, and and back to the character, uh, the actor playing him too, Tom Sturridge. Like again, I I, I knew very little about him, but uh, I, was there anyone in this show really other than like? Charles Dance that I was like, oh, it's that guy. Like there, there was a lot of Matthew. unknown people who. Matthew, the, the, but that's the a crow, vo- right? That's a Pat voice Oswald. that doesn't count. <laughs> well, no, no, for me it does because that actually took me out at times. Oh, it did. I really? like, I like Pat Oswald. Like, oh, it's cool. He's doing it, but I hear it, and I'm like, I hear him like that's Pat Oswald. Yeah. Not, whereas Charles Dance or Lucifer, I didn't think right. Gwendolyn like, Christie, kind of like, oh, this is Brianna Tarth. Oh, this is yeah. uh, one of the Lancasters. It just, I'm like, okay, they're in this movie, but or the show. But it didn't take me out of it. Yeah, at least with Gwendolyn Christie, she doesn't look too much like was it was it Brianna of Tarth? Brianna Tarth. Brianna Tarth. Um, yeah, it didn't look too much like her because remember she's you know more of a warrior knight in in Game of Thrones, whereas here she's like this. Well, she's the light bearer, so you yes. know she's beautiful. Um, so all right, so let's let's look at some of our main ones since we're on it. Let's talk about this Lucifer. Um, they gender swapped her, him, her. Um, and they went with uh, Gwendolyn Christie. Did that play as a strength or a weakness? Do you think? She's barely in it. it it's but hard. she's such a main character. I well, oh, is there any character? All right, is there any character other than the Corinthian and and Dream that are really like in it m- way much more than no? Her? Yeah, but for me, and and I'll I'll do the hot take. I'm not a big <laughs> fan of gender swaps or mm-hmm. or race swaps or anything along those lines. Um, if you're getting the best actor or actress to perform, mm-hmm. I, I can maybe get behind it. But I think they were trying to go so far from Tom Ellis and go because in the source material, like Lucifer looks like David Bowie. Yes. Yeah. Like that. And that's that who they. Inspiration. That's who yeah. they based him off of, and like they still refer. It's it's very strange when they do. So. They did it in the Constantine movie too with Gabriel. Where the idea was because it, in most depictions, these angels are depicted more feminine and just that's how they look. Right. And they refer mm-hmm. to Lucifer as a he, which is – I don't know. It's just very – like pick a lane for me. Yeah. Um, okay. If you're going to do it, do it. If you're not, then don't don't go halfway with it. Okay. Um, I have no problem with Gwendolyn Christie. I think she's a fantastic actress, and I'm, I like seeing her in things. Yeah. I think, especially after they kind of disserviced her in uh, <laughs> Star Wars. In Star Wars, <laughs> yeah, they really did. Where they they set her up to be such a big bad, yeah. Um, and then she goes out like a punk. But uh, for me, I I thought I just thought it was very strange yeah. for the character of Lucifer, and I think it really was because you know Tom Ellis was very popular as Lucifer, but he was not the DC Lucifer. No. He was not based. On the, he was based on the source material, but he was like they make fun of it in the show. Yeah, where they actually, I think they do an episode where there's like a Lucifer cult, and they're all like he's blonde, and he's like, why does everybody keep saying that? <laughs> but I think for the scenes that Lucifer was in, they were fine. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't. Sometimes I just don't get the casting choice. In okay. all honesty. But did you get? Did you? Uh, did you? But you did like her as Lucifer. I didn't have a problem with it, but okay. I wasn't. But I wasn't but like you a fan endeared. of it, okay. in, if that makes sense. That does. Yeah, Brendan, like, how about you? Um, uh, 
I mean, my, I don't really bother me really. Uh, what happened was I think at when they were in production, Neil Gaiman had tweeted out saying that with this version of Sandman, we are going to cast it as if we were writing the story today with how we want to represent things a bit. And because that was coming from the creator of the comic book series, any changes they kind of made to this, I was kind of more on board with them about some of that stuff. Because mm-hmm. when you think uh, some of this, it's like ultimately I'm like, doesn't really matter you know especially i think because i know there was a big issues about or people or not issues but people complain that they race swap death because in the comic book she's a goth girl essentially and in this one she's black and yeah. in this regard like my when you think about it it's a personification of death does it really matter what her race actually is and there somebody's going well nobody else was they change i'm like well we haven't met the whole family we've only met four out of yeah. the seven members maybe mm-hmm. they've did some other stuff and there was also a scene where they showed too that uh when sandman walks by and sees his ex-lover who is african she see her through see sandman through his eye her eyes that was a tough sentence to say and she sees him as a black man so again these uh the idea of at least the the endless who are just personifications of things that humans go through they can be malleable to look like anything. Mm-hmm. So really, okay. it doesn't, to me, really matter what you pick for gender or for race. Now, going back to uh, have Gwendolyn be Lucifer, sure, they say it looked a little closer to the comic book mm-hmm. character. Didn't bother me. What bothered me more, honestly, was that she was the one involved in the duel for the helm than the actual demon. Because, right. again, I like that. That worked better for me in the comic books. But I guess you spend all this money on the actress, you want to get her you in more of the her. scenes. Yeah. yeah. Was that the one where they played like essentially like a fight deck with one another? Yes, where they say, you know, I am, <laughs> I you know, am uh, this, and yeah. I'm a snake, and I'm an ox, and I'm a whatever <laughs> thing. Like, which in the books was like, this is a fun game. I want to play right. this with other people. It sounds like a fun thing to try. <laughs> um, all right. So, we, I think if we were to go through all of the actors and actresses, you know, we would be here forever. So, who stood out most for you in, in terms of a character? Uh. Paul. I hated Joanna Constantine. Okay, but so you're saying she stood out for you, so, but scratch in that, that negative scratch way. That. I, okay. I I get what they did with with her, and also I like how they did pronounce it Constantine because that's supposedly yeah. how it really is. But you know, okay. everybody just kind of has changed it to Constantine. But um, again, something they make fun of in uh, when Lucifer and him have their interaction, they make fun of the <laughs> Constantine Constantine thing. But I I liked. Like the character was just a gender swap of John Constantine, which again I just don't get. John Constantine's a very popular character; he's got a very big following. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just a weird choice, especially you know, with Matt Ryan being so popular. So let's, and, let's take a side tangent on this. Let's yes. talk about that swap a little bit. There was really no point to it, and especially a character that has such an iconic look. Mm-hmm. Like John Constantine's trench coat and red tie is like yeah. that was something that the Keanu Reeves movies got like grief for that right. he did not look like John Constantine. No, he didn't have the accent, the scruff, the blonde hair, the red tie, or the brown trench coat. None like, of those. things. I've seen fan renderings of him in like the trench coat, and that it I'm makes sure it, it look awesome, it looks yeah. way better. There's just something about when you have a character that has an iconic look. It's like if Superman came out and instead of wearing a blue costume he's got like a purple one right like it's just it's just why so for me while they did justice to the character Mm -hmm. like she was still very much in keeping with a john constantine type i i just thought it was weird and it it just did not sit well with me i can defend it but i want to hear what brendan thought of it first well i would agree that i would have liked to have seen john constantine it would be awesome to have matt ryan back again I do think they made the change, though, for logistics in terms of who can use what character and 
try to again not have so much of a DC tie-in, uh, eliminate any references really to DC, and just stick with mm. characters that were created during you know Neil Gaiman's run on Sandman. So it's funny you say that because DC has only been notorious about keeping ties on Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. Okay. So for the most, because DC is owned by Warner Brothers, it's not like Marvel where they licensed out so much of their right. material that they couldn't mm-hmm. say mutants until like a year ago. Okay. So DC never really had that restriction. It was only based on their own company going, we need you to stay away from Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. That's it. Even in Smallville, it, they were yeah. very strict. I did hear, though, that, that Brendan, what you're saying, and I did hear this, I was looking into it this morning, there were some rights issues with getting John Constantine. Really? Yeah, that there was like... All right, and now this is this is my defense of it. Um, if you put in a male John Constantine in there... A certain amount of baggage comes with it. He is a character that is has really broke through in the past few years. He's someone that we associate, you know, like we can all picture him. Mm. Even if we don't see Matt Ryan with it, we can all picture him. I don't know if I picture Keanu Reeves, although I love that movie and and I love his portrayal of it. Um, it's something separate, but. I think that the show wanted to distance itself as much as possible from being a part of the DC universe that they said, let's try and strike any and all references to DC characters so that way it doesn't bring in sort of that tangential like baggage that comes with being John Constantine. Which I can get, but then why have... A Constantine in it. Why have Lucifer in it? I mean, because you can argue the same thing for Lucifer. Wow. No, Luc- no. Lucifer. This this predates Lucifer, so I think Luc- this this Lucifer comes first. And grabbing Tom Ellis, who did his own thing, and Neil Gaiman commented on that, saying that we, we Tom Ellis did some went so far away. His version of it went so far away. They weren't going to try to reconcile with what they have now. They were going to start fresh. Now, also too, going back with Joanna Constantine as opposed to John Constantine. It's a cameo. Elt in the grand scheme, you don't see yeah. John Constantine at all, if I remember correctly, in the rest of the books, except for this one bit in the beginning. Right. That's all it's for. Same thing with Martian Manhunter. Same thing mm-hmm. with Mr. Miracle. They get mentioned for a little bit, and then they're gone. So to jump all those hoops for just really whatever screen time we saw makes it a lot easier. And I think also by having the two female Constantines, it made it easier to kind of quickly summarize, oh, this is an ancestor because they look the same. It makes it easier for them to tell that part of the story a lot faster. See, and also when I think of Lucifer, I don't think of DC Comics. I think of, you know, Christianity. And so I I don't really see Lucifer as a character. Like, if I have to be really honest, when I think Lucifer, I think Paradise Lost. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, for me to then see Lucifer and be like, no, that's not Tom Ellis, that, that thought never occurs to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so to have Joanna Constantine in there kind of... It's a brand new character for me, and it doesn't tie in because you know Constantine has he he he's been in Legends of Tomorrow. He's been in he's had animated movies and everything. I, I that's the Constantine I see. So to see Johanna Constantine kind of like doesn't connect me to that universe, and so I it it's not a, you know the same way that hearing Patton Oswalt was a distraction distraction for Brendan. I think hearing the name John Constantine would have been a distraction for me. Unfortunately, it was something that I was looking forward mm, to. I can understand oh, that disappointment. Because Constantine's one of my favorite comic book characters of all time. Like, I, I have an autograph from Matt Ryan. Right. I, I you Pictures know, I, of you and him. And... Yeah. So, like, for me, I am such a big John Constantine fan. So that when yeah. they were like, 
oh, we're going to not do John Constantine and we're going to do this. And I was like, oh, yeah. but, I, but I why? I feel you on that. Yeah. But like the same thing would have been for any of like major. Again, I don't want to be like hypocritical, too, because I'll watch the boys where they make a lot of changes to characters. And All I'm right. like, oh, OK. So it's just, I yeah, think like it's just home, beca- uh, home front or whatever, Stormfront. Stormfront, yeah. I think for me, it's just Hero-gasm because. Heroism and everything, yeah. which was different than what it was in the comics. Very. Which is still, it was still awesome, but yeah. But for me, Constantine's just one of those characters that I, I just love so much that I just was like, well, oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. It is what it so, is. So uh, now that we're out of that loop, let's get back to our, our favorite characters here. Um, I, will, I will kick off. I have to say one of my, two of my favorite characters. Um, so I'm going to, I loved Death. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the death, and I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit. The death episode was might have been one of my favorite episodes where she was going around because it was so sweet and wonderful and and insightful and brought you know all the feels and everything for me. Um, so I loved seeing death. I also loved seeing Hal Carter, which is uh, John Cameron Mitchell's character, um, who is in the comics, but you know he doesn't really get to sing because you know songs don't really translate well in comics. No. Uh, but no. to see uh, John Cameron Mitchell doing this, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a fan of his. I, I think he's just a brilliant uh, uh, theater uh, actor, and uh, to see him really belt it out was just such a great scene for me great yeah, couple of scenes that's, that's the, right. um who owns the house and does yep. the drag singing right yep he yeah, is no because you saw me wince because <laughs> i'm thinking back to when he pulls the face off i'm like oh yeah, oh, yeah. That was a little gruesome he uh he is known for most his biggest masterpiece was uh hedwig and the angry inch and, oh, okay. and to see him from that is just like so cool so brendan favorite character Oh, that's or, or even portrayal. I, I do think Morpheus is the best one, probably because we spent the most time with him. Uh, but outside of that, being able to see um, Hob Gadling, like just that mm. whole bit, because what that was another thing that they changed because of the story. Because um, in the comics, they the whatever time they meet was the same, so 15, you know, fifteen eighty nine or something like that. But in the comics, because it's set in eighty nine, he meets him in nineteen eighty nine. He doesn't actually miss the appointment. Whereas because they decided to update it and make this show 100 years as opposed to 80 or 70 years, he misses the appointment. Mm -hmm. So I actually don't know what's going to happen now. So for me, that was kind of cool. And then to see he's like, yeah, I heard it's rude to keep your friends waiting. And I just (laughs) think that catharsis of like, yeah, no, Dream kind of was looking for a friend. And, you know, it's um, a little bit I feel like with this part of the story is we – at least for Dream, and I think people can relate to you have that one crazy incident in your life yeah. that just totally changes everything. So being in prison and losing a hundred years of your existence, which even though in theory Dream it will last as long as humans dreams, he said time doesn't move any faster for him. So to spend a hundred years and then you're like, well, how do I repair? And what maybe yeah. I should make a change or two in my life. I, I minus the really bad wigs. I loved that. That <laughs> <laughs> I loved that relationship that they had between the two of them. Yeah. Paul, favorite uh, favorite character from this? I know Brennan's gonna be mad, but Matthew the Raven. Yeah, I really just I just enjoyed him. I thought because like you don't get really a sense with his other Raven, the mm-hmm. one that we see that gets shot. No. Right. Um, what kind of relationship they really had? Obviously, a very like you know powerful one, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. he didn't want Matthew. It's it's the no. story of the dad who got the dog that didn't want to get the dog, <laughs> and then falls in love with the dog. You know, for me, like. Just the one scene where like he's like, "All right, you have to you have to go back up and you have to go tell what's happening." And he's like, "No, I'm staying. Like we're in this together. Yeah. Like I'm I'm here for you." Um, and I didn't even know he was based off an actual comic book character too, which is even funnier. 
So oh, you're right. I think he's related to the sand. Uh, not Sam and Swamp Something. thing a little bit. Matt, yeah. Matt Cable was uh, his name in life. Oh, really? Died and brought back as. Oh, no, I don't think I knew Matt. That. Yeah, I, ju- I was just reading. I, I, saw, I was wondering what you were scrolling yeah, through over I there, did, and I scroll fast. So yeah, Matt Cable, part of a. Uh, he was in a couple of issues of Doom Patrol, Swamp Thing. Okay. Yep. So uh, he was in the sh- the Swamp Thing show. Which is even funnier. I still have to watch the Swamp Thing. I watched the first two episodes and then it got canceled immediately. And I was like, why am I, I going to watch this? I would watch it anyway just for its own Oh, the aesthetics. effects were, the effects yeah. were amazing. Yeah. So, and, and I okay, since we're on sort of this thing. Um, so this is a show that cost $10 million an episode. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money. Yes. <laughs> Brendan's eyes are going wide. Well, yeah. <laughs> it does show at times, though, oh, I feel yeah. like a lot. There were times where, like, especially in that intro bit when you first see the dreaming, looks great and everything. Then there are other times you look and you're like, they are so on a green screen right there, now. There are a so, couple of rough green screens. That's funny you should say that because I, I, one of Ronnie's comments to me was he said the CGI at times seemed to be shoddy, which is sad seeing as how they spent $10 million on each episode. <laughs> Okay, but a little bit though, they also built some practical sets. Like that whole yeah. cage scene that in the first episode, that was practical. They built oh, all yeah. that. So, the, so as opposed to making that some sort of CGI thing, they you know I think if they took time to build actual sets for some of these things, then yeah, I think that's where the money went. And sometimes you're like, yeah, we'll just CGI London a little bit, you know, and that's what they did. It's it's a it's a very expensive show, and and you you know they've been asking Netflix like, hey, season two, season two, is it going to happen? You know what's going on? And even Neil Gaiman himself tweeted out like. You know, I don't, I don't know if this is fiscally responsible or yeah. something along those lines. He's like, you know, this is a lot of money to spend on a show. Um, but I have to think now about, like, for example, I don't know if you guys are watching the Lord of the Rings stuff on Amazon. No. I got ten minutes into it and we're like, this is boring, and we mm-hmm. turned it off. They spent what half a billion dollars, I think, something, on their show. Stupid. Yeah. And so I, I feel like this is just a drop in the bucket financially, uh, you know, compared to something like that. Yeah. So that's unfortunate. I, I'm hoping season two comes about. So, all right. Now, my next question is favorite storyline, because there are like multiple storylines that are going on, you know, throughout this entire thing. And this might tie into your character, too. I mean, I, well, again, I probably for me, I, I think it probably would go back to the um, the Hob, uh, Hob, you know, Hob Gadling. I think that that storyline, I think, was kind of fun for me just because it's so it was something unexpected. I think that was one of the better ones for me, but also too like uh, just a little bit. Ten, they initially marked this whole thing as ten episodes, and then mm. they were like, boom, surprise! A oh episodes, yeah, those two episodes, which was really cool, and I kind of. As well, it's hard at times to maybe watch the, the, the content. I think the Calopy storyline, especially with um, Dream kind of being almost like a good guy and hero and saving yeah. Calopy at the end, was, was really nice, you know. So I, I have to say, we were watching the bonus episodes, and what what was the animated one? That is about the dream of cats. So essentially, okay. <laughs> the idea that these cat, if this person's almost like a Messiah character or a pre a prophet, saying that if we all dream that cats rule the world, <laughs> it will go back to the time before. Did you watch the bonus episode? Oh, okay. You wait. You did or didn't? Did not. Did not. I don't know how much you're missing. Um, I will say that, like when we were watching the the animated one, my wife turns to me and goes. How much longer is this going to go on? Because it was, <laughs> it was tough to sit through that one. Gaiman has mentioned that they were happy to be able to do something like that. Yes. There are still stories like that in the comics that they want to bring in because it's part of the Sandman mythos. 
but you really can't make a yeah. whole episode. And out that's of it. that's the thing with the Sandman that there's you know all of these seventy five episodes, seventy five um, issues, but not all of them tie in. Like some of them are just like one off stories where you know somebody comes in, does something, and then goes away, and we never hear or see from them again. So, like, and that was kind of where these bonus episodes came in. Well, it's funny you say that because we're talking about like what our favorite kind of storyline yeah. is in this. I thought that this was going to be an entire season of him trying to get his toys back. Yeah. Like, that's how it seems. Because, again, I'm not as familiar with... I know the characters. I know the mythos. I know that sort of stuff. I didn't know the story, which is Mm -hmm. fine because that gives me a lot of fresh perspective to come in. And I thought it was going to be an entire season of him. And then... The mask, the sand. And the ruby. And the ruby. And that Dr. Destiny was going to be the bad guy, like the Corinthian. Obviously, the Corinthian was like the big bad. Which is not necessarily the case in the comics. The Corinthian, they fleshed out his story. Because I think... You need to have someone that's a character arc for a season oh, yeah. on television. Yeah. So I'm yeah. continue. So for me, when they when they resolve that, it's like episode five. Yeah. Like yep. halfway through the show, they're like, and he's sleeping now. I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. You know, and I thought that was a a bolder choice and yeah. a bolder strategy, and it made me feel it made it feel like the season was much longer, which I like in right. a good way. So mm. though, but for me, talking about favorite story in this in this particular show. My, I'm gonna say just my favorite episode. I think that's probably the better choice. The uh, the episode in the diner. Oh, you're stealing mine. Ooh, and I'll yeah, I'll that's... say it. It the reason is when you can do an episode of a show where the main character's not in it yep. and it's still so good. You have something very special in that show. Yeah. Um, or you have the opposite, like in the book of Boba Fett. The best episode of the book of Boba Fett for me was the one episode with the Mandalorian. Yeah, <laughs> and he's not, and Boba Fett's not even in it. And I was like, that's a testament to how bad the show is. Yes. But so yeah, John D. played by David Thewlis, who is just an amazing actor. That oh, yeah. guy's got range. Ramus um, Loop, I forgot about that. I know he uh, he is in the diner, and he is has almost sort of these people all captive in there. And there, he's his idea is that a perfect world is one where everyone tells the truth. Yeah. And he forces everyone to tell the truth, and and these it are gets ca- progressively worse. And these are characters yeah. that were not really introduced. Before the episode, not a single one. No, they're all self-contained in the episode, and so that's mm-hmm. I'm, I'm echoing your sentiment here that that's probably my favorite storyline too because it was so I was so engrossed in everyone's individual stories and how th- how relationships just devolved yeah. over the the episode. There every every relationship, every friendship, every intimate relationship has a component of white lie. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's an important and vital part of our society to be able to, to not even not lying per se, but hold back the entire truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And we got to see what happens when people say exactly what's on their mind, and what's on your mind isn't necessarily your total truth. It's just the truth of the moment, mm-hmm. right? What do you, they always say yeah. that you shouldn't speak, uh, you shouldn't say things when you're angry, because mm-hmm. you say things that are you're just lashing out. You're not necessarily right. telling the exact truth but you're telling the truth in that moment. So for me, that episode was just, it was a great perspective into the human mind, into human beings, into his mind where he thought he was helping them. He thought he was saving them by letting them tell their, all the truths and go have wild sex orgies. And (laughs) you know, he's eating ice cream, walking by all the sex. Yeah. So it was just such a, an interesting episode and a really good episode. And that was like my favorite story. I, I, I too. Yeah. Um, I, I just 
I think what I love so much about this show is the fact that your main character is this all-powerful creature, but yet he's learning as he goes along, and, and we're learning with him. And the, the diner is sort of like that learning process for us of like, oh, this is what uh, that kind of world would look like. Um, so it's almost like we take on the persona of, of being Dream in that that we're we're learning by watching we're absorbing what you know human beings are like by watching you know raw human behavior within that moment um so okay uh i guess at this point we've gotten through our characters we've gotten through our favorite storylines do we have any criticisms um me i think was definitely the cgi at times that was one of my bigger criticisms that i had with the whole thing i Again, I probably would have my smaller one. I would have liked to have been the demon versus Sandman as opposed mm-hmm. to Lucifer versus Sandman for the verbal fight for the helmet. And then uh, while you, I consult my notes. You guys got any <laughs> other criticisms? I I don't really. You know what? I don't think I, I have my. I you know what? I feel like the only criticism I had was in those last tack on episodes that were the bonus episodes where some of it, it was a mixed bag for me, mm. and it kind of. Not that it sullied the stuff that was beforehand, but it was like made me realize how this could be a show that would not be enjoyable. Because um, there were some stories that I'm like, wow, this just does nothing for me and doesn't contribute. So I, I guess I would encourage um, whatever thought process and and effort that they put into the main ten episodes, keep that. Hmm. Okay. So I don't have any criticism about the show because I I didn't know it well enough mm-hmm. to, and I think that actually helped me. Because um, we both know, we all know that when I know a source material way too well, like sometimes watching the adaptation right. is not easy. I, I mentioned my my issues with any of the gender swapping of characters. It's not enough to to ruin. It's not even a criticism. It's not going to ruin the show for me. I still enjoyed the show. It's just it's more of a why. Just, it was a disappointment. Because it was a disappointment. You were looking forward to it. Um, a, an interesting thought that I really want to run by you guys quick. Do you mm-hmm. think this show could have been a movie? No, no. So the reason I ask that is because th- one of the things that this show has gotten so much praise for is being such a faithful adaptation. It is extraordinary. Like I was looking up articles today about the differences between the two, and they're it's not that long. Very those few. But then yeah. I think of a movie like Watchmen, where. Wa- <laughs> but no, I know I know your thoughts on Watchmen. And I, all that. I like it, but it just is missing the heart. And I think. Like the show Watchmen was very critically acclaimed. That people, had heart. People mm-hmm. loved it. Yeah. Had they done Watchmen, same style, same. Mm-hmm. Even I'd even argue the same director. I know your thoughts, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. and done it as a ten episode show instead. I think it would have been better. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that I'm glad that they finally because this was supposed to be a movie. Sandman was supposed Oof. to be a movie at one point. And how, how could you exactly? And yeah. that's, that's yep. what they said about Watchmen too. They was they're, they're the unfilmable. Comic books. Yeah, that's why with Watchmen, I've only watched the um, extended director cuts. It's, it's tough, and they're long, you know, because it incorporates the, uh, the 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 cartoon stuff with the black ship and everything. Yeah, and... I hated the black ship stuff. <laughs> I read, reading that in the, the comic book, I hated. Yeah, reading yeah, that. I kind of like sped up through those sections too. But like that, when I was watching this show, that's what came to mind. I was like, huh. I wonder if Watchmen had instead done a ten episode, same mm-hmm. same cast, same characters, same you know, maybe just ten episodes though, and and fleshed out a little bit more instead of just trying to get all the uh, iconic shots on screen, right. because it is a faithful adaptation Very. for the most part, with the exception of the ending where they. Inst- I actually oh, think the yeah. ending's better where they frame Doctor Manhattan. 
instead yeah, of the fake I alien could, invasion. I could see why. I disagree. That's fair. I understand why they did it, but I disagree. Uh, that's yeah. fair. Um, but and again, I watched the movie before I read the comic. Yeah. So for me, it's it's a different perspective. So, okay. Yeah, I, I think your idea is, is sound there. That you know, it a ten episode series gives a, a, sh- a comic like this room to breathe. There's not like you know loving cuts in the editing room and stuff like that. It you can really, and I think this is one of those few shows that really shows how you can live in that medium of a ten episode arc. Because uh, there's just they pack so much in there, and it's it is even Gaiman has talked about how faithful it is and everything. It's mm-hmm. it's it's a strong adaptation, and and it's because they have the room. And it's rare to get the creator to have such a seal of yeah. approval over. I mean, who is it that uh, Frank Miller hates his stuff being adapted? Oh, there's a couple yeah. of them that will refuse. Oh, um, what's his name with the long beard? Um, Alan, Moore. Alan, Alan Moore. Alan Moore. Thank that you. Yeah, Watchmen. <laughs> Thanks, Brendan. You're welcome. <laughs> Yeah, Alan Moore hates like adaptation stuff. He yeah. he's way against it. Um, okay, so let's go around and let's hear our Star City rating for this. Uh, Brandon, I'm just gonna fanboy out here and give it five. I'm sorry, wow. I didn't watch it. Uh, I think it's absolutely amazing. It's a very faithful adaptation. So mm-hmm. if you love the comic book, you'll definitely enjoy seeing it on the screen. If you haven't seen it before, I think it's a great introduction to the series. And I think what is said in the comic book series, if this gets you into that, knowing those stories and hearing those words or seeing, reading those words that Neil Gaiman wrote and the stories he was telling, I think you should definitely get in on this. If I know fives aren't really handed out a lot on your guys' shows, but I really, <laughs> it's a lot more of the fanboy in me coming out with that Good. bit. And I uh, just, one thing I just wanted to add, because I was, I know it's a little bit at the wrong part, but like the mic drop scene when he had does that at the end of the, of the competition. I just absolutely oh, yeah. love that line. I think just people being able to hear stuff like that, that Neil Gaiman wrote in the Sandman world, I think it's whatever introduces them into this, I think I'm, I'm mm. all more for it. Paul? I'm going to give it, upon first viewing, a four. Okay. It is fantastic. It's really good. I think maybe the only mild criticism is it's not an action-packed show. No, no. It is not – like you think superhero adaptation, you think – Punch, punch, smash, smash, um, as Timmy used to so uh, eloquently put. More smashing. More smashing. Um, <laughs> this is a show. It's it's heavy and it is, it's it's paced well, but it's a slow pace. It's a deliberate slow mm-hmm. pace, and especially like the first episode, we, we if you don't get into it, you're not going to get yeah. into it. You ha- it has to catch you right away. So I, I'm going to give it a four. I think it probably is going to grow and and turn into a 4.5 mm-hmm. but uh it, it is fantastic if it's that if that's your style yeah. if that's your niche if you like your american gods your mythology and all that stuff especially mythology in the modern era yeah i think this is the show for you so all right so it's funny you bring up timmy because now that makes me think of something so timmy asked us because we were going to sit down and the three of us were going to watch this together and he said was this something i would be interested in and we thought about it, and we when we watched a little bit, we're like, no, I don't really think this is something you're going to be interested in, because it is not action-packed. It is deeply philosophical. It's extremely meditative. Um, it, for some who are waiting for those big action scenes, it is slow. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a very adult superhero show. Um, and I love, and that is everything that I love about it. So I have to give it four and a half. Um, I was enthralled. I I loved every minute of it. There were some times where I was, I found my mind wandering. Um, but I don't know if that's necessarily a negative thing mm-hmm. either, because I I think the the show encourages that sort of philosophical reflection. So I absolutely loved it. Ronnie's thoughts. Ronnie says. 
I thought the show was all right. The pacing seemed to be off. It seemed like every other episode was good. The first half of the series was much better than the second half. So I guess he... We, we did talk about yeah, that, yeah. I will say, and, and I I understand why they chose it, but like the Corinthian seemed... Um, his whole story arc seemed a little bit uh, cliched at times um, because I think they drew it out and they wanted to make it into something that manufactured something that kind of looked like a superhero villain. But I, so I understand that. So yeah, I can understand that. He also says, I felt that the main character actor got outshined by every other character or actor on the screen. Hmm. Which I could see that thought. Yeah. Um, which that makes sense because I think dream is such a, He's the major character, but in terms of presence, he's such a minor character. Even amongst, like, I think Brendan would probably agree with this, even amongst his siblings, he's, like, the least of all of them. Uh, he... Like, in the, terms of... The, the ranking of, actually matters with them, so we... He's the third one, and he's yeah. the so in theory he's the third most powerful one. But if you're talking about personality, I guess in terms of charisma, I think in terms of personality, yeah, he's he's uh, he's six. I think <laughs> I think Destiny's a little drier than yeah. he is. And then there's Desire. You know, the, he's so the, muted. Well, Desire is very flamboyant. Yeah. You have Destruction. You have uh, well, I love her title, Delirium, who was once the light. Right. Even Death is chipper than uh, Dream is. <laughs> yeah. I, so I could see that. He says it was definitely better though than I thought it was going to be, and he gives it a three out of five. Okay, that's above average. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that again, it, it it lends to my statement that if you don't get into this, you're not going to get into it. Yeah. It's not I, I, like okay. like we've watched a lot of these Marvel shows where it's like it gets better. Right. This is not one of the. This show has its genre. It has its niche. If you're not into it, you're not going. It's not going to change right. the way you. I view will it. say this too: that if at any given moment you're like, I'm not really into this story, give it an episode because the story's going to story. change. Yeah. That is so. true. Yes. All right, so that wraps us up. Again, if you want to find us and some of our other shows, you can find us on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Listening Stations. You can find us also on the Facebook. And speaking of the Facebook, let's talk about Fan Feedback Friday. So we have not been around for two weeks, so we've got two weeks' worth of Fan, be fan Feedback Friday. So, Paul... Well, we're going to do just one today. Oh, okay. Because uh, <laughs> we have another episode to record. Oh, right, right, right. So, my, so I know my students are hanging on because they loved hearing their uh, stuff. So this week's Fan Feedback Friday, which can be found on the Facebook. Well, technically, this is last week's Fan oh, Feedback okay. Friday <laughs> uh, from September 16th. Uh, what is a superpower that would make your job or career easier? All right, so we have uh, super speed because actually getting to work on time, being able to read minds, teleportation so I don't have to drive to work. It would make so much. All right, and then from Rob's comic book class of 2022, teleportation to go out anywhere I want, no airline fees, freeze time to stop everything, super speed to get everything done fast without worry, time travel to fix all my mistakes, <laughs> ability to live underwater so I'm not limited to what I can do, <laughs> hyper intelligence to make my mind easier. Mind reading so I can tell if someone is lying to me. Not needing sleep so I can have more time in my day. All right. Oh, wait, there's more. <laughs> oh, of course there is. Super taste. See, ew. Super oh. taste. To make everything I eat taste amazing. As long as long as the taste makes it amazing. I don't want like, you know, uh, you know, I don't want black licorice to sort of be, uh, you know. I would love like a Matrix hack where anything I, like, you know how like the Matrix tells you what's, right. like drink this water and it tastes like the finest wine instead, okay. but it's still just water and I'm yeah. getting all that because I hate, <laughs> like I hate salad and stuff like that. Yeah. So uh, flight <laughs> and uh, ultimate 
deduction. I thought it said destruction. I was about to... Ultimate deduction? So you can determine oh. who committed the crime. Oh, sort of like mega Sherlock Holmes. Yes, there you go. I always say I'd want like super speed, or like just flying just because I think it's the best one. But I think with my line of work now, I think being having like microscopic vision would probably make my life a little bit easier. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I would like to have super listening so I can absolutely hear everything my spouse says and understand it too. Super comprehension. <laughs> super comprehension. So thank you very much. That takes us through our Facebook. And again, you can join us with Misfit Media, Misfit Faction Media Network. You can also check us out on Facebook with our Cinematic Adventures, our Multiverse Fancast, and an MF Uncensored show. We have Instagram with Bibliophiles Assemble. We have Twitter. We have TikTok. We have YouTube. We also have our website. Please check out themisfitfaction.com where you can see our podcasts, our articles, and our merchandise. And that wraps us up. Thank you very much again for Brendan, a.k.a. BlindBat8719 for Thanks joining for us. Thanks for me on, guys. How and can I they find am on you? YouTube. If you're looking for BlindBat8719 on Blind Without the I, B-L-N-D-B-A-T-8719, I make Magic the, uh, Magic the Gathering content creator. I film uh, play on the Magic Arena platform, and I film myself playing games. If you enjoy watching uh, people just play video games on the computer for fun, on, or at least while you're doing background work, Please come check out my channel, subscribe, like, all that fun stuff. And speaking of Brendan, uh, I know he texted me the other day, and I didn't get to slip it in. Uh, he talked. He sent me a link to uh, Disney's Answer to Magic. Why should we be checking this out, and what is it exactly? So Matt, uh, Disney's realized you can make a lot of money in collectible card games. So I, I have my Magic collection, for example. There are definitely cards that are over $500 in my collection, <laughs> individual pieces of cardboard. And they sell like hotcakes on the, you know, at Walmart and then also the secondary market. So uh, basically, Disney's realized that if we make our own collectible card game, uh, that because uh, you don't get all the cards when you, it's not like Cards Against Humanity where you buy the mm -hmm. box and then everything's inside of it. Okay. You don't get all the pieces in one shot. So they can sell packs of 15 cards and you're trying to get that Mickey Mouse or that Aladdin <laughs> character card. They can just print paper essentially and print money by just selling the stuff wow. over and over again. Wow, interesting. That's cool. So I definitely uh, I, I recognize the 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 genius that and the ed expertise that Blind Bat brings to the table. So we thank him <laughs> a lot for joining us. So thank you very much, everyone, for joining us. As always, I am Rob. I'm Paul, and I'm Brendan. And we'll be back in a flash. See ya. Bye, Morgan Spork.